2: I'm here today with a man who was involved 40 years ago in the making of Octopusy. And his name is Del Singh. And he's a great lad. And he's here to tell us all about what that was like. So Del,
3: welcome to the show. Thomas, thank you very much. I love it. It's a great, he's a great lad. I'm 60 years old. So thank you very much. Thank, I'm than you, there you go. <laughs> thank well, thank you. And um, yeah, I, I suppose if I'm going to do the proper intro, I can say the name is Singh, Del Singh licensed yeah. to tight turbans.
2: <laughs> right well that gives away a little bit of your involvement so i mean how how on earth did you get involved to, to be on the pitch yeah. of a massive bond film
3: yeah so it's, it's a bizarre i mean the getting involved is as bizarre as the actual job title itself but uh let me explain so i born and bred in peterborough lived here all my life back in 1982 i was a kind of sprightly 19 coming on 20 year old ready to go off to kind of university but uh, one of the things that um i and two of my brothers were doing at the time was we were running um and i i challenge anyone if anybody can actually um you know come up with and uh you know a challenge this then i you know they, they can have some money off me but um you know i don't think anywhere in peterborough the world the universe there were three seat lads doing a heavy metal disco road show <laughs> and- <laughs> Uh, yeah so i mean it really is one of those bizarre things i mean so it's bizarre as it was so we used to run these um the singing brothers rock road shows were quite legendary we used to kind of be going out there and you sort of taste of some our of music yeah there. Oh, yeah <laughs> so so we were kind of putting these things on at village halls and stuff because back in the day there weren't sort of really clubs for this sort of music and um and so we would go out at night to illegally fly posts. i believe the statute of limitations has probably gone on that so i'm not going to get yeah. collar now um but we'd go literally sort of pull up and we're a lot of building sites we'd go out there with a bucket of paste but poster up there you go and and nip off for you know got our collars felt we we're also on the yellow pages sing brothers discos we did heavy metal road shows we also do kind of weddings funerals bar mitzvahs anything else you wanted as well with without the heavy metal stuff and um people would book discos up Um, over the phone. And one evening, sitting at home, we get a phone call. Is that Sing Brothers Roadshow? Yes, it is. Uh, How can I help you? Thinking this guy wants to book a disco. And the first question he asks is, are you a Sikh? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, because the name's Sing, is an anonymous Sikh. So, and then the next question is, you know, bizarre, do you wear a turban? I'm like, (laughs) Yeah, now what's this got to do with you booking a disco? And yeah, back in the day we used to occasionally get some abuse from the National Front and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this guy's gonna give us um some grief. So I'll tell him to go and do one before he tells me. But he goes, and before he said that, he goes, No, well, actually, I don't want to book a disco, but I'm friendly from Eon Productions. And I'm being a big Bond fan, um, back from the Sean Connery days and stuff and whatever, um, I sort of said to him, Well, when he said Eon, you're the guys that made James Bond films, yep. So what are you after? And he said, Well, we need your help and we need somebody who can tie a turban. Um why? And he, he sort of mentioned look in the film, we've got an actor, Indian actor, doesn't wear a turban in real life, but he actually plays a kind of henchman and he needs to have a turban, we need a turban tire, or you know, somebody who's an expert. They in fact the title became turban expert. And um I was like, yeah, I'm up for that. I mean, obviously the idea of being on a Bond film was quite something. And then, you know, there was the potential to earn some money as well. It was summer holidays before I went off to uni. So a bit of extra pocket money wouldn't go amiss. And uh, I remember my brother and I turned up at this hotel the next day, um, still thinking it's going to be a wind-up. We thought this is going to be some sort of sick joke. Somebody's played on us um, amongst our uh, soon-to-be ex-mates. It all kind of got quite real. We got sort of shown up to this top of the hotel where they're taking that entire floor. Walked into this room and kind of one side of the room, you know, the eyes are immediately drawn to this big smoke, puff of smoke going up, and underneath it is Roger Moore with a massive cigar. Oh, uh. geez, that's 007 over there. Okay. And, um, and so, and then Kabir Betty comes striding across, really uh. handsome guy, along come the costume people and stuff. And they were like, you know, so uh, introduced us and so on. And then they pulled out this piece of cloth and said, Can you tie this on his head? And I said, No. And they all looked at us and said, sorry, you said you could tie a turban. They're getting quite embarrassed. I mean, we we're wearing turbans. I said, I could tie a turban, but that's a bath towel. All right. uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I can't tie that on his head. It's like, it's about six foot long. It's a bath towel. Tur- property turbans about 13 foot long plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as it happens, I'd bought a turban with me, took it out of the bag. Um, it's, it happened to be my, one of my great school turbans. And so I proceeded to tie this on his head. Uh, and when it went on, it looked absolutely magnificent. And, it, you know, because he's a big guy, so it layered on nicely and it looked good. And then he started moving around. He said, it's not going anywhere. It's not moving. It looks good and it feels good. And, you know, I like this. And they were like, great, you know, um, you're hired. It's um, £50 a day. I, I thought it pretty good for 1982. And um, yeah. uh, especially now the extras are getting about 20, 25 quid a day or something like that, I think. So I thought we're getting some decent money here. So I was a skilled profession. Um, but they said, you know, we only need one of you. I said, Well, actually, we only come as a team, it's Sing Brothers. And the main reason we did that was not that agreed, it's because both my brother and I had summer jobs working at a local coal store freezing vegetables. Sounds really just as exactly. exotic. And um, we knew that if one of us was on shift, the other could do the job and vice versa. And so we sort of said, Sorry, we come as a team, and they said, Well, okay, then fine, you both get the gig and it's 25 pounds each. And I'm like, No, nah, stop, 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 stop. Just stop to 50, so it's 50 each. And they're like, no, 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 we can't do that. You know, 50 each too much. Sorry. And I'm like, thank you very much. took turned off. I said, I'll put him in a bag. We're going, bye. Good luck finding another person. And they literally looked at each other. And Kabir just sort of started. As we walking towards the door, Kabir stopped them and said, no, no, no. no. I want these guys. These guys. Um, And they came over, yeah, and they came over and said, look, we're going to do this. Uh, And I said, look, I'm not being funny, but you know, we know what our worth is and stuff, and you are going to struggle to find anybody else that can do this. We kind of got that gig, and both of us got it, and it just meant that we would turn up on set. And as it happens, the way everything fell that month, uh, my brother was kind of like pretty much doing um day shifts and i was doing night shifts we got to the point where um i i would literally do the job he, he wouldn't be there and i would often clock in for him i would just say and we just collect the money and it was all good uh, and, and it was fine but the nice thing is i kind of i had access all areas unlike um the others and so i could unlike the extras and so on who uh had to kind of stay to one one side I had access to areas. So the thing is, you know, I'd go in the morning, um, you know, and look at the call sheets and you say turbine expert on location, 745. So they name me turbine expert. So, um, and I'd take the kind of five or six minutes to tie the turbine. And the interesting story about the turbine itself was that um, originally um, the costume department had actually um, put together, a t- you know, they, they the bath towel they bought or whatever it was, that was kind of like a, a slightly reddish color and a dark reddish colour and uh they were going to do that and they coordinated that to go with a dark suit you know when i put the grey turban on, it didn't really go with the dark suit and kabir said i want this turban and it looks good so they asked me if i had one that was similar to that color i said no i don't i don't kind of wear these turbans um that sort of color so they said i want this turban and they went and had to re-coordinate his suit so the suit he wears on the, the fight scene on the train was coordinated to go with the turban which is right. a gray suit and he looks yeah, magnificent in it it's quite funny because I actually kind of ripped him a bit about this and so on. He didn't get my sense of humour at first, but he did eventually. I said, Kabir, I did you a massive favour because you look really smart in this. I said, just imagine if I hadn't turned up with this turban, you'd been wearing that big red thing on your head. And I said, looking like I do with skin colour, you just look like a Swan vestus, like a match. <laughs> and, and, you know, all Bond has to do is strike you against a wall and watch your head explode. He was just <laughs> wetting himself up. He no, no, was no. like, you know, he didn't get my humour at first, but he got it. No. Um, but somebody that did get my humour was certainly Roger I mean I because I found I was um, literally once I'd done the five 10 minute job you know so the next day it would be a 10 minute job because continuity coming with Polaroids from the previous day and check to see the turbine look the same and it kind of had the same kind of shape and whatever but um once I was done I was pretty much there for the day and they were the idea that it might fall off which it never did and so what I did was I'd literally sort of sit around and his trailer Roger's trailer was directly opposite he'd normally be outside sitting on the step with a cigar and so I, you know, would make it my business to go over and talk to him. I, you know, I was a little shy at first. I thought, mm, you know, megastar guy, but I've never been shy at doing these things. And I, I thought to myself, like, I don't want to come across as a fanboy. So I'm not going to go and sort of say, oh, Mr. Moore, you know, I really yeah, love you yeah. for years and years and years. I used to watch The Saint. So I just used a different tack, which was a genuine thing, which was my favorite actor of all time was Richard Burton. And I kind of walked over to him, and um, Roger, I am i have not interrupting, because goes, no, not at all. And I said, I just wanted to know what it was like working with Richard Burton. He was my favourite actor, and um, I just, you know, how was it on The Wild Geese? And, you know, he said, actually, Richard's an amazing uh, actor, but when you one Richard is good, but when you put two Richards together, and he met Harris, he goes, there was yeah. a recipe for disaster, because they're both in the film, and they both had severe drink issues, or they, they, they yeah, liked to yeah. drop. And so he said, you know, we did struggle with getting things done in a timely fashion because these guys invariably wouldn't be on set or there'd be problems with it and whatever. I said, "But well, the end product is magnificent. He said, well, actually, the film got good reception. It was good. And it still remains one of my favourites. I think yeah. it's great. I'm not so keen on the sequel. But the the, the first one was terrific. From there, we kind of struck up a thing because, I, you know, I'm a bit of a film movie buff and, um, uh, you know, I, I then sort of had a like, follow up question, which a bit loaded. I sort of said to him, got will ask you the question, you know, because he new films and stuff as well. So I sort of said, you know, what's your favourite film? And he was like, mm, put me on the spot. He goes, you've asked that question. So I you, you know what yours is. And I said, yes, I do. And I told him it was the 39 Steps, the Hitchcock version, oh, yeah. which he said is brilliant. Robert Donat, Madeline Carroll after a few minutes he had a chance to think and he said okay he goes you know if I've got to pick one he goes It's said lots but I said I know I know the feeling and he said well I'll probably go with High Noon really? and I was like great choice and I, I remember saying to him um you know what if they ever did a remake and you know you could do the Gary Cooper bit brilliantly yeah he could he, he just <laughs> leaned into me and that voice said something should never be remade oh right <laughs> And, and, you know, I actually kind of agree with him, he, yeah. you know, uh, that there certainly are some films that should never be retouched. And maybe High Noon is one of those classics. But, um, yeah, we, we developed a great rapport. He'd always acknowledge me in the mornings. I would acknowledge him. We'd have a chat, we'd, whatever it was. And um, he just had this lovely, self-deprecating sense of humour. Just didn't take himself seriously, uh, which wound the journalists up great. Because at the time, obviously, Warners were bringing back Sean for yeah, as course. Bond but yeah. Never Say Never Again and they would always try to goad him they were like Roger is it a case the public doesn't like your bond they're bringing Sean back and he was like it was very magnanimous he said look Sean is superb uh and I'd even said to him Sean was my first Bond and, and yeah. still as Bond but you know you're good too uh in a very different way and he, he sort of said yeah well I'll try to make my bond different because we can't all be Sean Connery and um and there's a lot of you know, license there that Ian Fleming has given to this character and I'll try to exploit different elements of that that with my personality. And I remember when the journalists, there were some journalists there from Scandinavian and Germany. And I remember one of them was saying this and goading him. And he said, Well, actually, you know what, well, there's things that Sean can do I can't. And there's certainly things that I can do that Sean can't. And they were like, Go on then, so what is it you can do that Sean can't? And and they were looking for a real tidbit of scandal here. Um and he said, Well, they leaned in and they leaned in and he said, Watch this. And then he did that eyebrow raise. Yeah. And said, Sean, <laughs> Sean can't do that. <laughs> and they literally just collapsed, and I was pissing myself. Off. I was, sorry, I was, I was, you know, I was, yeah, yeah, quite kind of, you know, in, in apoplexy, thinking that's so funny. And they just cut them to the quick. Um, but like I said, a real gentleman, real gentleman.
2: That's so nice to hear because we've spoken to quite a few of the cast and crew in some of these Roger films, and we yet to find anyone who hasn't said what a lovely guy he was, that he was approachable, and even I mean, to be fair, they say the same with Sean. You know, the, almost the bigger the star. Yeah. The more humble they are the more i suppose yeah they're concentrating they've got the whole film on the shoulders they sort of they've got to have that personality where you're looking at yeah.
3: well well i think uh, to be fair i mean the, the person i had the weight on the shoulders was probably john glenn because i really didn't yeah. i was really scared of talking to john glenn i mean he was he was uh, a man with a mission he was juggling kind of spinning multiple plates and and, and doing crazy stuff so I, you know I, I was damn scared to go near him and sort of talk to him and i, owed him I wanted to he was always busy and there were people following him around with clipboards and stuff and so you think i'm keeping out your way um but but roger was just terrific and because he had downtime and there was quite a bit of downtime we I mean, were there there for about three weeks and then i was there for another week or so with the stunt guys and stuff uh, the second unit it's because he had quite a lot of downtime we did have some crappy weather and there were some things that weren't going right and so he did sort of take a, a bit of time and like I said uh, he was very approachable and I, I think also it's sometimes it's a case of if you a, a lot of stars are very really approachable um in the right instance um in the right way but I'd imagine if you're kind of invading their privacy or if you're just being a nuisance and stuff you know you can't get on their wick so I'd imagine there must have been a point where Roger probably felt that as well but I'm glad to say I, I didn't wind him up the wrong way good good Action!
1: This is John Glenn. You're listening to Really <laughs> 007 podcast.
2: Kabir Bedi, of course. I, I'm, I mean, he's Indian, but I take it he isn't a Sikh. So, is that is no, that what g- brought on?
3: Yeah, so Kabir is is um, uh, so he's Indian, and the, the name Bedi actually does resonate with Sikhs, but also some Hindus are called Bedi, But I think you know is it, it, is it, you know he comes from that part of that lineage that is a Sikh yep. lineage, but he doesn't wear a turban in real life, and. Right. Um, Again, you know, he, he was an actor that I hadn't really come across. And, he, he you know, he he was a, a massive in places like Italy where he'd done this yeah. thing called Sandican the Pirates, which was a spaghetti buccaneer thing. So not quite spaghetti western, but it was one of those things, um, which probably explains why he's huge in Italy now. He just recently did their Big Brother. Yeah, the I know. Big yeah, brother. it's brilliant. <laughs> and, and, and they love him and he speaks Italian fluently and he's brilliant. And so, yeah, he was well known for that. He'd done a couple of other things. And then, obviously, he got pulled into this film, Octopussy which really propelled him because all of a sudden he got attention to Hollywood and he was signed up to do uh, Dynasty or as Americans say, Dynasty, but right. Dynasty, the spin-off from Dallas as well. So, you know, and again, he, just, a, just a, a fine, fine man, you know, um, as I said, when we first got there, I was a bit nervous because, you know, I've got a, 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 a more Western sense of humor being born in the UK. And some of the stuff I said kind of went over his head, and I was thinking maybe some of this isn't going to resonate. But after a little while, he got the measure of me, and he realised when I was kind of like having a joke, and when I wasn't. And uh, but again, you know, it was terrific. He was like, you know, meet Casasuca. So this is your trailer. You can do what you like here, um, and whatever. He'd always inquire, you know, have you have you eaten? And uh, yeah, yeah, I've had I've, I've had lunch and so on. In fact, I've been up twice. But you know, I I, I mean, he was always you know just really um, a very caring sort of person, which I think was brilliant.
2: That's so good to hear it again. And i mean so you you did you did the turban stuff but then is it right that you basically just have free reign to hang around and watch the set watch the scenes
3: be filmed and that yeah, pretty much that's it it, it yeah. was exactly that it was it was very much along the lines of you know once you've done this you can't leave the, the confines of the set because in case this turban comes off
2: yeah of course uh, yeah
3: uh, but you're literally free to go so unlike the extras the poor poor chaps that yes they might get you know the back of their head in a shot somewhere but they've got to stand out there in rain and shine because when it started chucking it or whatever they would huddle somewhere we could come inside they yep. couldn't and i had access to the kind of what i call the um the the the, the, the vip kind of lunch uh bus you could go on board and do that and they were getting the kind of like sort of something's chucked out of a bucket into it No, it wasn't that yeah. bad <laughs> they, they would get the kind of less favorable meals um but yeah it, it was really good and so like i hung around obviously watched a fair amount of filming going on and there were some bits that i watched with the filming that were quite amazing like the car so the bit in the film where the car is hit by the train on the tracks and it's launched into the air and lands in the yeah. lake with it on top of the boat where the fishermen are i mean that stunt was quite something because this is maybe because this was done pre-cgi Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, nowadays you just literally computer-animating that and people would be going, ooh. Whereas back then, you literally, to get that effect, what they did was they had to put a Mercedes, a Hulk, a Mercedes, about seven or eight of these Mercedes cars with all the engines stripped out, but they still looked like a tonne worth of hunk of metal yeah. in, into what was a cannon and fire it over the top of the train and, and drop it. And they did it a couple of times, and it was that second take where it literally, when it hits the boat and so on, you think to yourself, the... um the first stuntman kind of got out and the second one doesn't look like he's made it and you know everybody's like uh, and, and then they, they come back to it and see that um, you know he's out as well uh, and, and that's it and then there was the, the uh, Martin Grace who yeah. won Roger's stuntman who sadly got seriously injured because there was a stanchion I mean they took the train down particularly, and they took it down a bit that wasn't really they, they hadn't been to before and there was a stanchion in the way and he was hanging off the side and this thing literally even at a decent not a big speed but a decent enough speed Caught him on the arm and the side, and it sort of wrecked his hip, broke his arm, collarbone. he was in the hospital for six months. I mean, I remember sort of the ambulances coming to pick him up for that, and that was an awful one. I mean, there was that. And then there's obviously, you know, one must try these things as sort of as a 19 year old, you know, very hormonal with all these Bond girls around. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, I mean, the, the the interesting thing was, I mean, I had this huge crush. I mean, the Bond girls, they're lovely, but they were there as Bond girls, and a few of them knew that guys are going to kind of like, kind of,
0: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase.
3: Letch over them. That's just yeah. the way things were. The one who I thought was most demure, uh, Maude Adams was hard, not that approachable. She'd obviously been in a Bond film before. Yeah. She kind of, to me, seemed a little bit cold. I'm sure she's a lovely person, but she was just not that approachable maybe i was just scared because she was kind of you know but the one that i had this massive crush on was christina wayborn oh yeah and, yeah. and christina was beautiful and and you know but uh, and and standing near her it was it, it just get a photo done and just being around having a quick chat and whatever it, it was lovely i mean i've talked a little bit about what's happened this weekend the 43 union Yeah, but, so you were uh, there the, the highlight for me, I mean, has been meeting Christina again um, and telling her I had a crush on her <laughs> and her just she and I just literally hit it off. So, we, like I said, we just had the 40th anniversary of Octopusy here in Peterborough, organised by Martin um, Mulder and. Anders Frey and uh, Mark Hernandez and myself so the four of us were kind of organizing it.
2: Brilliant.
3: Um uh, you know it's remarkable you know 150 plus tickets all sold out within a couple of days and they weren't cheap it was a couple hundred pounds a pop traveling hotels and stuff on top of that. So people spent a good amount of money but it was terrific and we you know we had the uh, I'm I, I'm a fan of Peterborough so I love Peterborough so it's great to welcome people here. We're beautiful weather unlike a lot of the typical bond kind of get-togethers and stuff that happen around a studio or a, or a hotel environment. You know we were at uh, once the station, the steam railway station where the filming was done, you know, they'd gone to a lot of trouble. They brought out the steam engines and stuff that were used in the film. There were tours down the line. We went, you know, to where bits were filmed. We went on the steam train with us ourselves and the VIP guests, you know, seven miles down the track to Autumn Mere, which is where there were the lock gates, where the Opening sequence was shot where Andy Bradford, uh, stuntman, who's 009, yeah. where in play clown costume goes running up and he's trying to climb what looks like a gate, and it's actually the lock where where the uh, water is. One of the mayor twins kind of like, nails him with a knife in the back or something. Um, yeah. He runs on and then he kind of like crashes through that restaurant window or something and that's yeah. it. you know and Andy was there and in fact a typical stunt you can't take the stunt out stunt man so the guy puts on a red nose and goes climbing around this flipping thing I'm thinking there's no health and safety here to watch you mate but uh, be careful and you know we had a good number of VIP guests so John Glenn it was magnificent seeing John Glenn and I did talk to him a lot this time but he's 91 now so you know 40 years on from you know 50 51 when the film was made it's obviously 91 now and really talkative really lucid um you know I asking some questions on the train journey down the line um about you know his inspirations for directors and hitchcock's name came up a couple of times he, he, he cut to how he could mix comedy in with action and suspense and everything and he said you know trying to emulate some of that you know bringing that some of that into bond was really important for him and particularly the humor and i think he said he liked that the way that you know hitchcock would do some of that sort of stuff in, in films where you, um so so that was really good and as i said i mean for me um the mayor twins are really good tony and david obviously getting on a bit now but again still i mean they're a font of knowledge about films they just know everything about about films i mean it was great i could spend just an evening with them just chatting movies a couple of the bond girls there so there was safira there there was helene there was Alison there so they were there but of course for me it was christina so christina and i literally hit it off and um she did I I I you know I don't say this lightly but when she left she was she said this was the best and she goes you know what I really enjoyed it because we just got on and you made this so much fun on the evening of Saturday night we had a gala dinner so we had this all the stuff at the station in the daytime and in the evening we went back to the hotel in Peterborough where there was a gala dinner you know apart from the food there was some entertainment so there was a knife throwing act in there it wasn't the mayor twins I'd say because I think their aim would have been a bit cockeyed now but <laughs> it was a, a, a knife throwing act which still got me thinking oh god that's a bit too risky. A, a, a lovely Q&A with John and some of the other cast and crew and stuff which was quite nice and even a and a with me and I got to tell people my story because I think most people there knew who I was uh because I've appeared on some of these kind of yeah. podcasts and, and so on it was quite surreal people approaching me asking for my autograph which was like okay yeah fine. nice yeah <laughs> I, I know it's a, yeah don't need to get your head Dell. and uh, there, there was one lady God bless her who came up to me and said I love that bit in the film where you crush the dice So she thought you were Kabir. I was Kabir Betty. So I was like, uh, you know what,
2: flattering, isn't it, Del? That's
3: uh, Uh, well, it's flattering, but it just meant I said, you know, unless Kabir Betty got sort of shrunk in the wash by about (laughs) two two foot, uh, you (laughs) know, I'm not quite, I'm a, I could, you know, I can't even pass as a mini me version of him. So (laughs) I explained to her what (laughs) I did, and she was like, oh, okay, okay, look, you know, so. I think it was her husband that was probably a bit more the Bond fan. I think, I'm not sure she was, but anyway, so it was it was quite funny. And um, and then I, you know, at the end of the evening, I got managed to sort of, uh, you know, watch a bit, some clips of films and montage, including some footage that had been shot on Super Eight at the time with no volume on it. But it was quite something to see some stuff, old stuff, which none of the, John and none of these guys had seen before.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
3: then I got to do, uh, you know, put some eighties music on to almost do a little bit of a disco at the end of it. So bringing me back around to where I kind of came in. But with Christina, it's fun. So when everybody was dressed up in their glam stuff, and somebody, one of the organisers gave Christina an octopus tattoo. You know the and in the film where Maud says or whatever says that's my little octopus. Yeah, yeah. Christina has to put this tattoo. on she goes to me del we um you know i need to go to the kind of like restroom to put this on where's the restroom i said okay because it's a bit further down so i'll I'll, i I kind of took her there i said it's there and she goes how do i put this on i said okay i'll open the bag up and i said there's instructions on it and she goes i've got no glasses i can't read that i said i've got my glasses i read it and i just said you peel the film off you put it and she was putting it just about here so just literally just there and she goes i put some water on it and then give it a few minutes peel that off and it should be okay and you've got to let it dry and she goes, okay. She goes, I'm not going to be able to do that. She goes, can you give me a hand? I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I said I can't go into the ladies with you. I mean, it's, I mean, my wife's in the other room, by the way. Yeah, so she yeah. there with me, and the total stuff. So we actually got um a disabled toilet there and so i opened the door on this i said let's water everything there so we can do this so with this door open i'm standing there doing this you know she's putting this tattoo on i'm standing there people kind of walking by looking at this toilet with this (laughs) gorgeous blonde lady and um a guy in a suit and a turban kind of like you know kind of really close up up close and personal and then we get this tattoo on, and with people looking, including the hotel staff, and I'm thinking, this is looking bizarre, because she said, do you want to close the door? I said, no, close the door, it's going to go mad. Yeah, they're going to call for security, we'll both get chucked out of here, this will make the papers tomorrow. And then she goes, okay, and pull peel the thing off, and the tattoo's on now. I said, that's great, the tattoo's on. She goes, yeah, but it feels wet. And there's only hand towels there, no dryer, so she goes, just blow on it. I goes, what? She goes, blow on it. So I'm now literally leaning into her chest, into her bosom, and I'm blowing and there's this procession of people there's a wedding reception next door and all these people including their kids are walking past and I'm and they're she's looking over she goes I think we might be in trouble I look over and all these people stop there looking at us like you know what the hell is going on here Uh, and I was like Christine we I've got to get out of here girl you're going to get me into trouble and we were just laughing like a drain we walked out of that place and I had to go and tell my wife I goes by the way that tattoo I just put that on and I've been and if anybody says, you know, they saw me blowing on her there, it was that was me, yeah. yeah, was...
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dear me. this is the really 007 podcast. My name is David Meyer, and I played Grishka in Octopussy. Really 007
1: podcast. This is Tony Meyer plays Mishka in Octopussy, the knife throwing twins. You've got us both.
2: And this is for my brother Grishka. Uh... I mean, amazing how you've come from just randomly almost by mm. fate, getting the gig to 40 yeah. years later doing this and meeting all these people. I mean, yeah. it's the love of the film, isn't it? I mean, it, it is one of our favourite Bond films and it, it stood the test of time as far as we're concerned.
3: Yeah, it's uh, well, I think the whole thing is, and I mean, this is, it, it's the franchise itself. I don't think there's many other movies. I mean, there's a lot of people that made a movie or got asked to star in it or be an extra in it or, do, do something for it and they probably don't have reunions every 10 20 30 40 years because they just this franchise and also the craziness about it is you know i i consider myself to be a bond fan but the people that were there god love them and this is not meant derogatory fashion but fanatical are yeah, fanatic. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the stuff they turned up with i mean there were photos there they asked john Glenn to sign that he'd not seen and they were kind of like, so he was like where the hell do you get that and you know they had replica models of cars and stuff and imagery and stuff and it was amazing um they spent a lot of money as well so it's, it's obviously more than just a, a passing fancy it's like they're really, really serious about it and, and god love them they're brilliant they're lovely people um you know uh, and so like i said this thing is a life of its own and when it comes to the film to your point i mean i'll be honest with you um you know obviously I was a Sean fan I loved I think every Bond's first film is amazing yeah um then maybe have a little up and a down that's the way things are you know I did think to myself after I saw kind of Octopussy it maybe isn't my favorite Bond film and it wasn't my favorite Bond film and I thought "Mm, that was there that was that was okay That was a bit too comedic that was whatever but there were bits in it now that was in 1983 when it first came out but over the years and with the release of a number of films with things like invisible cars in them which Yes. The whole thing a bit too yeah. nuts. Octopus became a very sensible movie. It yeah. became, it could happen. It was, and, yeah. and that whole premise, the whole premise of, you know, somebody, some demented Russian general taking a bomb over to, you know, from the east to the west to explode yeah. it and start the war. That stuff could happen today, for heaven's sake, Isn't, with what's happening absolutely. in Ukraine so it's not as wild and as far-fetched as it seemed and so yes it's become it grew on me became more and more of a favorite and then obviously started getting uh calls from god damn it people like you um (laughs) asking asking me to talk about it um screenings of the film I was asked to talk about it um and um you know it, it was amazing and and so when i i know when roger passed in 2017 i um wrote a little piece on my LinkedIn um, social media in business and my summer with Roger uh, just a little recollection and um, the Guardian newspaper content me he said this is really nice can we can we take it and put it oh, in the right. Guardian okay. yeah, yeah right they put it in the Guardian and then you know somebody contacts me and says I'm putting together a, a screening of the film in London I'd love you to come along and tell your story there
0: oh, and
3: um, the amazing thing to go back to Kabir was when Kabir and I parted company he wrote his address and phone number for me on a, on, a, on a piece of paper and gave it to me and beverly hills it was great sadly i went off to university into a life of i wasn't gonna say sex drugs and rock and roll but it's actually <laughs> sex alcohol and, and rock and roll um uh you, you can delete some of these afterwards no, no. And, um, and and just just leave but just leaving the sex please yes. and so <laughs> that, that, that's it the rest i don't need um and and, and i immediately lost this piece of paper and, oh. and and that was it so i lost contact with him and you know bizarrely enough it must have been 30 years later you know i've got books in the loft for my degree in genetic engineering my wife is saying you're never going to do cellular molecular biology again get rid of this crap and i'm like no seriously no get rid of this crap i'm like okay so i'm taking these books out and a piece of paper falls out and of course it's got kabir's oh, name
2: right. and everything
3: on it and i'm wondering to myself so i think okay once that phone works i get to the phone I actually dial the number and it's it's, uh, it's, it's dead
2: it, yeah 30 years is a long time 30
3: years long but, but five years later at the screening in London of course the one of the guys that organizes it get only gets Kabir on a Skype call with me um at the end oh, of the show.
2: Brilliant.
3: so uh, he and I make kind of uh a reacquaintance again and we have a really nice chat and he's talking about how great things were on the set mm-hmm. and the memories and stuff so yeah and I and sadly he couldn't be at the reunion because he's on a book tour and he's in Spain at the moment but he said had it been any other time he goes I would have come over in a heartbeat
2: Oh, well, let's hope we can get to get to a fiftieth anniversary.
3: Well, well, let's hope so. Yeah, that'd be lovely. I'd love to see John yeah, Glenn at one hundred and one. Really, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs>
2: hey, so he's doing doing well, isn't he? For
3: ninety one. He's, well, he's doing very well. And he was very, very uh, lucid and very competent, and uh, just just chatting away, walking around. Both his, his two of his sons there, Andrew and Matthew were there as well. They're both in the industry, so yeah, there were a good amount of also people from the editing, um, the, the the special effects. uh so john richardson people like that there's a load of people there so you know it's quite a few too too many to mention but it was it was lovely and i think the the nice thing for me was that as one of the kind of co-organizers of the thing was the the reaction for the people because people kept saying to me you know have you enjoyed yourself it's been a good time and i said actually i have but the the biggest the most satisfying thing is that you guys are enjoying yourselves are you enjoying yourselves and people were saying absolutely they said this thing you know as i said it's not in a hotel, totally. We're outdoors, we're doing stuff, um, a lot of activities and stuff, and whatever. A lovely setting. And I think people loved it, you know. So, I, I mean, and the weather was so kind to us, it was yeah. beautifully warm. And so people were like, yeah, this is amongst one of the best Bond things we've ever been to. I oh. can't wait for the next one.
2: That's so good. I mean, yeah, we, we're gutted we missed it. We were a little bit too late for the tickets. But even mm. online, seeing, you know, on Bond fan sites on Facebook and Twitter and this, yeah. the amount of reaction it's got even just people seeing videos of whoa these are the actual there, there's Christina Wayborn, there's John Glenn. Yeah. They're like, this is incredible. And to see them where it was filmed, I know Stephen Burkhoff was meant to come as well, but
3: Stephen that, was Stephen Stephen last minute um wasn't able to be there, which is very disappointing because I actually yeah. really like Stephen. I I you know I've seen him in not just Bond roles but in some classical yeah. Roles. Yeah. And I think he scares the shit out of me, to be fair. Yeah, still today. But but, but he is very authoritative and great. So sadly, he couldn't. And it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, I think we've got a really good showing of all the people that we booked up. You know, they all came up. You know, there was a short video put together of people like Maud and a few others who would have liked to have been there but couldn't be there. So they sort of sent them. Yeah. um you know messages to say they couldn't and we had a lovely little piece as well of a remembrance as well of those people who involved the film that couldn't make it from you know like Martin Grace and yeah. the stunt man and so on through right through to other people in production and of course you know Roger as well
2: yeah oh it's so good Del thank you so much for spending time with us and telling us about this because the fans love hearing these stories just that insight to what it was like 40 years ago and to yeah, sell no. yeah everything to do with optimism which we are obsessed with so yeah. it's, it's class
3: okay, let, let me add one other thing in here so the other thing yeah. is that um there was also a book launch happened on the day as well on the saturday and it's my good friend mark hernandez who is he's, he's a bond head as well so yeah and he I took it to another level because what he did was he, he's connected with the um neen valley railway too so what he did was he as a bit of a label of love over the last two three years he went out to try to find people that were there at the time I and mean, he was only nine years old when this was made so he uh, took it upon himself to find extras uh, p- people like myself involved in the film to get around to cast and crew and others and whatever uh, get their memories get their photos uh, put them together and he's created a fabulous book called uh, on the train tracks filming of Octopussy and Golden Eye because Golden Eye also had sections for, filmed at yeah, Neen Valley yeah. railway that book is I mean it's terrific I mean everybody that came pretty much bought a copy of it so oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it was great stuff so look out for that it's going to be probably on Amazon or bookstores or whatever it is but it's it's great I mean I'm chapter 18 is me uh turban tire for hire um right,
2: excellent and, oh, no, and, we'll
3: have to check this out and, and, I, and I got to sign people's books they all ask me could you sign that bit there and I was whatever so I signed it with my message of no time to tie um <laughs> very good to, <laughs> exactly you've got to think of this stuff spontaneously be yeah 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 so um so so yeah so i mean again you know if, if folks want to learn more about octopussy what happened it's a great coffee table book it's a terrific read um you know i started looking at it last night i was a bit tired but i started looking at it last night and picking out people and places and reading some of the, the stories that they had yeah. to say about the filming um which is remarkable so yeah highly recommend it so it make a, a nice father's day gift or whatever it is um so yeah. it's called on the train tracks
2: we'll definitely promote that Dell. and it is the stories that, that dwell on you know that we yeah. can sort of go back to and look at these films that this is 40 years old franchise is 60 let's yeah. hope we get a new one fairly soon but until then we hope so you know right we hope so brilliant Dell. You can hear loads of our other episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and our YouTube channel, where we have interviews, special episodes, and reviews of all the Bond films. Simply search Really007Pod, and you should find loads of weird and wonderful content. Remember, you're only president for life.
3: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> really dumbest.